Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country. Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted, award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Emily France. Emily is the critically acclaimed young adult author of Signs of You and Zen and Gone, a July 2018 Washington Post best book for young readers. Her latest book is called Crit Dreams of Dragon Fruit, a story of leaving and finding home. It's a beautifully illustrated, zen-inspired picture book for children ages 4 to 8 about moving to a new home, making friends, and finding beauty wherever we are. Emily wrote the book along with Natalie Betcher, and Samantha Wu illustrated it. In a time where COVID-19 has us all dealing with new and unprecedented experiences that may cause us to feel far from home while in our own home, I'm so happy to welcome Emily France to Get Up Nation to discuss her insights into resilience. Emily, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I'm so happy to uh, talk with you today. Congratulations. Your book is voted number one new release in children's Buddhist uh, fiction on Amazon. Uh, So great things are happening here. People are responding powerfully to what you've created. Tell me, how did you first get involved with this project? Um, So I... I live in Colorado and I began practicing with a little Zen community here. And one of the issues I was bringing to my practice was that I've moved to over seven U.S. states um, and there's been, I've traveled all over the world and I was always um, plagued by the sense of not feeling at home. You know, anywhere I went, I just, I felt homesick. I didn't feel I didn't feel that good sense of rootedness. And um, so I brought that issue to my teacher in the Zen community, and he pointed me to a little Zen koan, which are little, for lack of a better word, word puzzles that you just sort of ponder and think about. And he brought this to me, and after I worked with it for a while, I had this most beautiful experience of feeling at home, and I've had it ever since. 
so that amazing. inspired um, someone asked me, could we use, could we teach um, children koans? And they have a reputation of being rather, you know, in pop culture, they're seen as these like very mysterious, you know, difficult word puzzles, which I mean, I guess they are in some sense, but my philosophy is if anybody can understand something that adults think is hard, it's kids. Wow. So I set out to write a book to help kids access the koan. Wow, that's great. Um, let's see. So will you share a little bit of a synopsis of who the main character is in the story and then what challenge the character faces? Sure. So the main character is Crit. He lives in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, and his mom has been asked to come to America to help some of their family members in Chicago. And so they're going to move. And Crit loves his home in Chiang Mai, does not want anything to change, you know, just feels great where he is. And then talk about the world upending Chiang Mai to dark, cold Chicago. I love Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I live there, <laughs> but a little different from Thailand. And um, yeah, so he moves and he feels desperately homesick. And so his mom gives him this Zen story um, and he unravels it and feels at home. Oh, that's great. Um, all right. So you, like you, you had said, and I wanted to get into this a little bit, you've traveled extensively in your life. So how, how did you identify with the main character's experience of moving somewhere new um, how in your life did you learn to not only adjust to new places, but thrive during this experience of living somewhere new? Yeah, so um, I think the easy part of moving and the easy part of any change um, are the things that usually come at the beginning, the newness of change, or it kind of feels like an adventure at first, or, um, you know, even with the pandemic, right? You just, all these changes hit, and so you know, you get in this mode where you're like, well, we'll just make this an adventure and we'll just, you know, look at all these wild new things we have to do. And, but the difficult part of change is after that little bit of newness wears off and, and you kind of have to settle into the difference. Um, so I did well with moving the fun part, you know, just, oh, hey, here I am in this new place, a new job, a new, you know, but then, you know, when your family's not down the road and your friends that you've worked on making and you you're not even familiar with you know where are the good stores or um all of those things and to be honest i struggled with it until i found a zen practice i really did that practice of mindfulness and some of the teachings from that tradition just opened up a sense of belonging for me that has been um long lasting do you mind if i ask what how did you get aligned with that community? What uh, led to it? Did What piqued your interest? Yeah, so I had been, um, you know, I think peace of mind has always been an interest of mine. Hmm. Always. And I don't know where that came from, but just always um, been interested in it. And so I began meditating different traditions, trying out different paths of meditation many years ago. Um, but it wasn't until I moved to Boulder and a friend of mine, um, came up to me and um, I was going through something very hard. I had lost um, uh, a young person in our family and it was just shattering. And I ran into a friend and I, she saw that I was having a hard time and she gave me this hug and it wasn't a normal hug. Hmm. She held on to me and she was just breathing with me, just slowly breathing. And um, there was just something magical about it. And I was talking to her later and I found out she was a Zen practitioner. Oh. 
And she had this quality about her. There was just an otherworldly peacefulness that she was able to give to me in that moment. And so I sought out a Zen community and really found my philosophical home. Mm, that's great. Um, and that's like we've talked a little bit here about COVID-19 and how it has totally altered the way, the things that we're used to, maybe routines that we had. Um, you know, and so much of a sense of home um, is often attributed to familiarity, uh, routine, um, structure. Uh, you know, when we do things repeatedly, we, it's, we, we're wrapping our mind around things. We're perceiving more and more details. We settle in. Uh, we notice, you know, 100% more things because we spend more time in it. Uh, if we if we live kind of thoughtlessly or just kind of go through and that's the such powerful reality when we stop and uh, pay attention to the present moment when we pay attention to our current environment where we perceive our feelings where we perceive our thoughts where we see that they come and go and we notice the things about our environment and we can settle in and start to notice all of these details at a much greater measure um, how are you seeing with with COVID-19 and with this practice and with this book how are people responding to this and finding that for themselves, what you have found, being able to deal with the stress that, you know, or the overwhelm that comes and goes or that, uh, you know, or looking anew at their home as a new place that they've maybe never noticed before. How are you experiencing this and, and what kind of feedback are you receiving? Yeah, you know, I've gotten a lot of questions from friends about how to find peace of mind in challenging times. And to me, that is at the heart of my picture book, but it's also to me at the heart of Zen teachings is that I can still, the, the joy and rapture that I can access just noticing a flower, honestly. Yeah. Uh, just, drinking a glass of water, noticing the water, feeling how cold it is, renewing that sense of childlike awe, hmm. that that is accessible no matter what I can be with a flower, even if I'm not allowed to leave my home, hmm. you know? And, and I don't know what I've found is this richness and sense of comfort and sense of joy. You know, I was sitting on my porch yesterday, overwhelmed with joy and, the reason was that I was listening to the birds and I felt the sun and um, I was so this sense of gratitude for those feelings and, um, and, and things are not, there's a whole other reality swirling around, right? But that to me, that is the powerful thing and it's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's an experiential thing. It, it sounds so I think to some silly to say be with a flower, you know, and I, I get that, but it, uh, to me, it's, it's an experience. So you have to just, I had to just try it and try it and try it of just being with uh, my teachers as a fully embodied experience mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And it starts to just unlock the sense of um, joy and lightness. Yeah. I think a lot of it, so our in, we're in the information age where we're deluged with uh, information at, at every on every day. They say uh, something along the lines of we think, you know, 70,000 thoughts a day. Uh, we have all of this information and, and you obviously are extremely intelligent. So uh, and a very active mind, um, you know, for people who are dealing with inf that information overload, 
it's nice to find that awareness of letting those thoughts come and go of being present of experiencing that like you've described of not missing the amazing reality that we're alive and aware of it it's it's truly it can make every day a profound experience and really gives us a sense of resilience in facing these challenges that we're dealing with and a lot of troubling emotions would you agree Absolutely. And I think one of the great things I've discovered too is that sometimes I think when people hear meditation or Zen or whatever, it's like this, it's this idea that peace or, or comfort from it, it's complicated. You have to learn. It's like, it's way out there. Right. And I have to get to it. Mm. And the, my experience is it's beautifully simple and it's right here right now for anybody. Literally it's as simple as sit down, pay attention to your breath. And then as all the swirling thoughts come, don't fight them. Just notice, just notice. Be like, oh, oh, and then go back to the breath as much as you, it's just simple, simple. It's just, um, I think the mind is a muscle mm. and we've trained it to just follow every fear mm. and just chase it down. And it's like a retraining to, to, to let them go ahead and run on into the bush. Oh, I see. I see. And that brings up, you know, like we talked, we touched on a little bit earlier of how children perceive the world uh, differently than adults a lot of times. And so, um, you know, how are you experience? How, how profound is that? Have you had any profound experiences reading the book to a child or having a child react to that? Would you share maybe something that has happened as you've read to a child? Yeah. So, um, I did not, I have a three-year-old and I did not tell him that this was mommy's book that I had written it. Cause I wanted to see, like I was ready. I was like, this will be the toughest critic. Cause he's, he loves books, but he'll throw the ones he doesn't like. <laughs> well, I geared myself up. I was ready, you know, and I'm like, look, we've got a new book. And, um, what I love was how he loved it. And how easily he just got it. Like adults encounter the, you know, the, the Zen puzzle that's in the middle. And, you know, we immediately want to be like, oh, what's the, he, you know, ah. And he just, he felt it, you know. And when Crit at the very end says, I can feel home anywhere, my three-year-old went, oh, he's home. You know, it just, it's just effort. It was just pretty effortless. So, um and I think everything I've learned in life, I've learned from my toddler, honestly, from Buddhism and from my toddler. Um, he just is in his experience. He's in reality at all times. He's not up here in the future, in the past. You can't even get him to talk about the future. He kind of unhooks. He's like, eh, you know, and he wants to be here with this train right now, this train, you know? So, um, yeah, I think kids have it right. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. And then I wonder too, if, if in feedback from, from the book, if adults who have had a similar experience where they were frequently traveling or moving throughout their life, maybe felt, uh, you know, a disconcerting sense of instability or felt some vulnerability and fear during those processes where maybe adults were moving and, and uh, they didn't, you know, have that sense of comfort through, through that process. Have you experienced adults who are also um, benefiting from, from this concept? Yes, I've heard from some who say that they wish they'd had the story when they were moving because I think as parents, you feel badly about reality. Mm -hmm. 
you feel bad. Like I'm supposed to fix this. You know, I'm so, I'm so sorry. We have to move seven times in seven years for seven jobs. I'm so sorry. There's a pandemic. I can't, mommy can't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the other, um, there's a wonderful, a, a Zen teacher named Thich Nhat Hanh says, pass your ability to be solid onto your children. So it's that my ability to connect with the moment and be be joyful and really have my mind here um, gives me that sense of peace and solidity Mm -hmm. Um, and that we can pass that to our kids. Um, So, yeah, I have heard heard some things um, from parents about that. That's great. Um, Let's see. So we find ourselves here in the new normal. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, people are confronted with realities that few of us have ever faced them before. Um, and uh, so, so as we're doing this, how are you finding that this is helping uh, connect people uh, with their, you know, as we stay in touch with each other, as we manage our emotions during this, how is this connecting people? And uh, have you, it sounds like you're available at Emily Francis. You have a website, emilyfrancisbooks.com. Is that correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, do you have a social media presence at all? Yeah, I'm also on Twitter. Um, okay. Same handle uh, mm-hmm. with underscores. Um, I'm on Instagram, but not so much. I'm a little okay. old. I, I don't <laughs> understand. I need words. Um, and I do have a Facebook page as well, Emily mm-hmm. France Books. I see. So then um, in, in these ways that people are connecting and, and uh, you have, you know, a group uh, of Zen practitioners there, how are you finding people uh, staying connected uh, through this time by practicing these principles? How are people staying connected either on social media or by phone call? How is your book bringing people together here to deal with this challenging time? Well, I think um, I think that's the power of story. I think that's why stories are so important, you know, because, you know, I've I have lots of groups and we share, you know, what are stories you're telling your kids right now? And we all pass those around. And I think connecting through, through story is so important. Um, You know, my son is having zoom preschool meetings and they connect. Let's all read the same book. Let's all do the same project. And, and again, it's that sharing, you know, stories are immediate, you know, we're in them, we're fully embodied inside the story. And I think that's why we, love them. So I think story is a great way to connect right now, um, aside from all the, the media and everything, but sharing stories that move us. I mean, we've been doing that since we walked the earth. So yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you like people to know? People who may not know about this book, if they're just encountering this interview and they're just trying to figure out, you know, what is this book about? Who, who are these people? What are they doing? What would you like people to know about uh, this book so that they can uh, benefit from it? Yeah, um, I would like them to know that um, the heart of it is about finding joy in the midst of any change. Uh, This is about a boy who moves, but it's about change and just the simple ways that we can access joy in the midst of those times. So that's it. I see. It can. It's such a key to resilience. To you, you were saying you. you dealt with the loss of a person, uh, really the most difficult things in life that happen. You know, some of the most stressful things that psychologists say is, is moving or the loss of someone. 
And to be able to find this is truly a gift in the middle of all that we're going through. So many people who are serving and, and uh, first responders that are out there, I can imagine that first responders feeling that overwhelm, putting on all the, the PPE that they can find, serving these, these people, for them in that moment to find that space like you were talking about within, for them to, in the stressful times of wondering, you know, if I, you know, another shift for how long, to find that little moment where they can be present and that little bit of peace, that little bit of actual joy in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it doesn't get much more tested <laughs> by adversity than that. That's right. And I think another thing I'd like to say is sometimes um, even I, like if I'm going through a hard time and I'm really not, fe I'm just feeling terrible and somebody's talking about these concepts, sometimes I shut my mind because I go, oh, well, that's easy for you. You can sit with a flower. Like, do, do you see what's going on for me over here that's very real? And I think one of the key things that I've actually been working with recently is that both realities are true. It is true that in this moment, I am very peaceful and I'm fully in the present in the moment. And I'm really feeling something from that. There's just something. It's also true that I'm very afraid and I'm sad and there's a really serious crisis or there's a really serious hardship. So it's, you know, that's that duality. It's, yeah. it's like, well, and we can, we can hold both at the same time and both are true. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important yeah, to accept it's 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 powerful when you find yourself at the point where you're able to accept it all, where where you you accept what's happening and you're able to cope. Whereas, and you're able to not only just cope and survive it, but to actually find that at the same time and be able to experience joy in that tremendous adversity and that to to embody that moment. It's it's extremely profound. It's it's something that's, it's just so necessary today. Is there, and uh, I just, it's, you know, I don't want to over talk it. I don't want to overthink it because it is, it's basically very simple. And for people to experience it, you know, that's, that's the true gift. So to talk about it is wonderful. And then to see them actually practice or to try it and to find that for themselves. It's great to have uh, books and things like this that orient us to what's possible in our world. We don't have to, um, you know, invest in a, 10 week program for a thousand dollars to do it. It's here now. It's available now. <laughs> yeah. It's literally as close as your next breath. Yeah. It's just there. It's always there. Always can come back to Thich Nhat Hanh also says the breath is the wheel of the ship. So you hold on to that through the storm, you know, which I think is another great image. That's great. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before we get into the final portion of the show? Um, no, no, I think that's it. Okay. All right. I, uh, Emily, I always end the show with six questions. Help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Will you run through these six quick questions with me? Who Absolutely. Are, all right. Who are you thankful for today? Oh, let me hang on a second. My internet is slowing down a bit. Let me see if I can't fix it. Okay. Who am I thankful for today? Who are you thankful for today? Oh my gosh. Well, I would have to say, obviously, my husband and my son. Yeah. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? I'm really thankful for Buddha's teachings. They're, they're seeing me through yet another day. 
<laughs> and how do you fuel the fire within you? This is such a great question. Um, I am a big believer um, in paying attention to what you notice. So if I, if I'm noticing, you know, horses, you know, they just keep coming up. I'm just noticing them in, in plays or movies or whatever. Um, go toward that, figure that out. Like it's, it's a calling within you um, to, to tap those things that bring you joy. Um, and I think I can get away from, from that where you just don't even pay attention to what you really like anymore. And I think each, each one is, is a calling card at that. It's calling you to something. So I just pay attention to those things and I follow them and they tend to end up as novels. So Excellent. that's how I keep the fire going. <laughs> that's great. Uh, what's one thing adversity has taught you to value? Um, adversity has taught me to value uh, my Zen practice. And what are you doing today you may have never thought you could? I am experiencing joy and equanimity in the middle of a global pandemic, and I'm uh, almost finished with, I've written another novel during the pandemic. I never thought I could say all those following things that I just said, I never thought I would say, but that's what's happening. It's surprising. And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? I'm going to get up and do it all over again. <laughs> That's great. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work? Just check out Emily France 